I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Podcast here on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Continuing our quarantine run of shows, going through uh, each team within the league and talking about what happened in 2019, what we can expect in 2020. And of course, we're joined by another member of the CUSA journalist world, Mr. Elliot Pratt of the Bowling Green Daily News. Uh, You might have seen him around covering the tops uh, in a variety of sports as well as local high school sports uh mr pratt really excited to have you on the show and uh, i know it's been a long time coming yeah no i think uh i think eric and uh, i think somebody else at one point asked me about coming on here and, and scheduling conflict couldn't do it so uh it's not like we've got any any kind of time uh you know obligations now so when eric asked me i was like shoot yeah yeah let's talk let's talk sports whenever we don't have any <laughs> Well, we're excited to have you on. It's been like tough. I said, it's been tough, right? <laughs> I was just thinking the other day. No, I was just, I was just thinking the other day. Like the Conference USA softball championship was supposed to be hosted at Western this week, and it feels like you know that that's where we would be at this point in the season, which means baseball season will be wrapping up. Uh, which means, you know, at, at this point, you know, seasons are winding down in the spring, and I feel like everybody is so focused on when can we get those back it's just so weird how time has worked out and just uh in this new world totally it's a weird time to be alive as states start opening back up and uh obviously the state of florida seems like they're pretty much open uh open up and eric henry you taking advantage sometime this weekend oh i'm gonna you know tread lightly i'm not just gonna jump back in as a those of you who routinely listen to this podcast know it's a unique place down here. So um, we've already got the Grim Reaper just patrolling the beach, making sure that uh, we're all safe. So I, I'll uh, I'll try to you know pick and choose my points wisely. But uh, so uh, yeah, so I, I the mean, beach I, is open. The beach, the is, beach open, is open, Elliot. Uh, and, and yeah, everywhere except for South Florida, um, which right now I'm in Tampa. I'm actually not in South Florida right now. So. Um, everywhere except for South Florida, the beaches are open. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, expect to see plenty of gifts and, you know, memes of just beaches flooded with people down here within the next few days or so. Well, I'm sure the proper social distancing practices will be enforced. I'm, I'm just positive everyone's going to play fair doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> They won't. That's the joke. They won't. <laughs> what? I mean, if there's one thing we know Florida loves to do, it's it's listen to authority. So we'll uh Man, Florida's see wild. Florida's wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> that wild. it is. Eric <laughs> Eric's a wild man, as we find out weekly on the show. Tamed. 
<laughs> he can. You know what? Before before we get too sidetracked, I, I actually I got to give Elliot a little time. I, I know. Um, I, Elliot in in uh, in his visit to uh, Ricardo Silva Stadium, I, I I think I had to give him like you know the longest directions in the world on how to leave the press box and get out like the same way he got back in. That just uh just goes. It's, it's a typical tale of like anything that happens in South Florida just doesn't make much sense. That's kind of, that is popping my mind. I remember Elliot, you know, when the game was over, it's like, yeah, so how am I getting back out of here? It's like, uh, yeah, just that same path you follow back in, uh, just follow. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not sure that I even did that. Like the path that you gave me one, Ricardo Silva stadium is its own unique entity to South Florida. Like South Florida is its own beast. And then there's this, this thing that they play football in that maybe a high school team plays in. I don't know. Um, but like, then you, you walk around and like ever you have the CSC people that look, Eric, I know you cover FIU. It's, <laughs> I'm not dog on anybody. I'm just telling you, it's not like this anywhere else. Um, <laughs> there's like no one not, there and they're guarding, not, they're, they're guarding you from what? <laughs> Whereas like the CSC people at FIU, you go down there and I've only been down there once. So my one experience is just so fresh to me, even still, uh, even two times I visited, I visited her three times in September, two basketball games, one, uh, one football and just the people, you know, there's nobody there one. And then those who are hired to protect or guard just act like you've got the Mona Lisa somewhere inside and you're having to protect it <laughs> from everything. It's like, just chill. I'm just trying to do my, like, get out of my way. I don't know. I just I, I I love how unique FIU is, and I know we're here to talk about Western Kentucky. So please, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but you know, social interaction like this is minimum nowadays. Um, <laughs> I mean, just go down there, and yeah, Eric was asking me about you know one of the questions we'll get to is like press box experiences and the food, and I was like, there's nothing like Ricardo Silva Stadium, that's for sure. What were Joe, we talking about? <laughs> Joe, well, Joe, I think we we're. Jump in here and save us before I get a uh, text from Tyson Rogers uh, immediately. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one of the uh, one of the storylines that we've been discussing a lot over the last couple of weeks, of course, the conclusion of the 2020 NFL Draft. And I think for for the two of us anyway, one player that we thought was uh, going to get at least some love, even if it's not as a draft pick, but potentially as an undrafted free agent was lucky Jackson. So Elliot, as somebody who's yeah. obviously watched a lot of this kid play, uh, what are your thoughts on a prospective pro career for him? Yeah, I thought it was maybe a, a sixth or seventh round pick for him. Uh, you know, the numbers that you know, touchdowns didn't necessarily pop up, but he's about as crisp of a route runner uh, as, as soft a hands as you can imagine. It just felt like he's as the year progressed, He's a guy that was catching balls that were harder and harder and ones that you didn't think maybe he was going to catch in the first game. It just seemed like every game he just one-upped himself. And, and the kind of ball he's going to catch, whether it was his footwork on the sideline or just the route and around and just cutting. Um, but, yeah, was definitely surprised to not see him get drafted, especially late or picked up as a free agent. What happens with a lot of these guys is you see them get invited to training camps and of course, if everything shut down, you just don't have that. Your virtual training camp and your uh, online, whatever the NFL is doing now, it's just for the teams there. So it's kind of hard to uh, bring guys in for a camp when you don't have a mini camp to bring them into. So, you know, Lucky was definitely number one of the Western guys. That's now two years in a row that Western's not had a draft pick. Um, part of that is those are guys that are products of Jeff Brom's recruiting class that came up. 
Uh, you know, obviously he coached Western to two conference USA championships a couple of years ago before going to Purdue. But yes, Lucky is a guy that I, I know he, he's been pretty vocal on Twitter about it being motivating to him. You know, I think a lot of athletes sort of take that motivation, that chip on your shoulder, that underlooked kind of mentality to motivate them. Uh, I think that once things start to open up, Lucky will get an invitation to at least participate on a practice squad somewhere and work his way into it. Um, long way to answer your question. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that he did not go, at least. There's some other guys at Western that were eligible. You got Ty Story as quarterback, maybe could be a practice squad quarterback if that's what he wants. Um, those two guys mainly. Uh, definitely surprised that Lucky did not get the opportunity we all thought. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and you mentioned how the whole COVID situation is affecting how the NFL is scouting players and evaluating, you know, potential signings and all that at the college level obviously we we talked about how the state of kentucky is planning on reopening pretty soon here from COVID. how is that going to affect Mm -hmm. uh the football program and just the university at large from what you've seen well the state's kind of opening in phases right now so i know i don't know off the top of my head but you're talking about you know uh, just restaurants at like half capacity maybe by the first of june but just as it's phasing into businesses opening i think we're still a ways away from even talking about trying to actually like what a real football season this fall looks like um, because you, you, if you want to have a football season, you want to be able to include all of it. So that includes the fans and just mass gatherings of people, which is not something that we're close to doing right now. Mm-hmm. I think that the phases are the right step uh, here in May. Um, but the idea of, you know, people, hundreds, maybe even thousands, let's even just start with hundreds, hundreds of people gathering together, thousands of people gathering together. You know, Diddle Arena is a place for, for basketball, at least. 6,000 people are in there every night, 5,000. And then at, at Western, you, you've got about 10, anywhere between 10,000, 18,000 at a football game. You, you know, I, I've not had any talks with anybody or heard anything about what the reality steps are as far as what football season is going to look like. It's certainly going to look different because I, I just don't see that gathering that many people in the normal sense that we've had is going to happen this fall. Now, I do know that Conference USA, there have been talks about how to reconfigure the, the schedule uh, just to sort of play with, you know, interdivisions, the East versus the East, West versus the West. I think the competition rules committee still got to meet on that. Uh, you got your spring meetings that are going to be happening later this month. Um, that's going to definitely change football if that is indeed what comes out of this meeting. Um, a lot of teams, you know, you just won't play the West Division if you're in the East, if you're FAU, FIU. You won't play a West Division opponent unless you make the conference championship game. So Western being in the East uh, with all those guys, uh, I think that's what that looks like this year. Before we get uh, into next season too much, I, I do want to touch on something from sure. last season here. Um, obviously, the rebound that the program made firing uh, or 
after the firing of Mike Sanford and the signing mm-hmm. of Tyson Helton. Uh, what player pleasantly surprised you the most last season as uh, the tops got back into a little more of a uh, you know winning routine, especially kind of towards the end of the season there? I think you have to start first with Ty Story, you know, graduate transfer quarterback who came in. He wasn't any part of the Mike Sanford era. That was a guy that uh, was on the market. Tyson Hamilton was hired, and then you know he was able to step in. Now, granted, he had to win that starting job. Well, excuse me, he, he got that starting job because of an injury. But you know, he's a grad transfer that came out of Arkansas. You know, he, he's he's veteran, played in the SEC. He knows what he's doing. So that was the big surprise. You could also point to Gage Walker, a guy that they brought in from defensive back in the previous years to running back position, and he, he just became into more of a running back as the year went on. What I mean by that is like the vision and how you look for the holes and how the cuts you make. You're not just a football player running around. You've got a running back mentality. He started to develop that around the time they played Marshall in late October, and then I think right after that was when they played FAU. And um, you know he, he was very – a pleasant surprise, um, so to say, in that offense. The biggest thing with that was just, uh, you know, you turn around a nine and four year right after they go three and nine in 2018. Just the surprise was you knew they would adopt Tyson Helton's method, but how long would that take? Rebuilding happens, it, it, sometimes it takes two or three years for a program to do it, and they did it in one year. That was the surprising part of it all was that they just flipped the mentality. You know, everybody talks about flipping the switch, and it's like they really did. You know, it didn't take a long time to cycle out the the bad habits that they built in just two years with Mike Sanford, and they just quickly adopted Tyson Helton and his staff's methods, just his approach, uh, playing with an edge. Those players like Gage Walker and Ty Story, especially on the offense, uh, made a huge difference in that. Yeah, I, it, you could see the difference in just the way players carried themselves. So the adjustments that Tyson Helton made in 2019 were mm-hmm. absolutely crucial. And, and thinking that um, those are going to carry over into 2020, uh, who do you think is the most important piece of the puzzle for Western Kentucky if there is a football season in 2020, whether that be a returning mm-hmm. player or a new face? Right. Well, I was just actually starting to think about that as soon as I answered that question. It's like I just talked about offense, and really, Western had the best defense in Conference USA last year, one of the top 25 defenses in the country, if I remember right. Um, so the biggest piece, probably the biggest recruiting win that Tyson had was retaining defensive coordinator Clayton White. I know a lot of you know Power 5 schools were after him, but, but everything I've learned about Clayton is he's a guy that has moved around enough and is not going to jump at the situation unless it's perfect for his family. You know, he's got some kids here that have been in school. This will now be his fourth year here, so he's established at Western and has built something. He, he's got, he had young guys last year, and then next year he's got a veteran group in the secondary returning. You've got D'Angelo Malone, who is likely to be a draft pick next year at defensive end. Juwan Jones, the big defensive end on the other side. Uh, defense, so when we talk about what's going to be the biggest thing for 2020, or, or, and even also looking back at the part of you know, the success they had in 2019 and what attributed to that, it was the defense. It was when Tyson came in, he retained the defensive coordinator and basically the entire defensive staff that Mike Sanford had assembled. So Tyson being able to come in and say, hey, this is a good thing. Let's keep this. Let's keep building over here. That's part of what 
what really got them to nine and four last year and retaining everybody there. I think they've lost, they just lost two defensive coaches, if my memory off the top of my head is right, um, which is pretty incredible considering the year that they had and the success that usually get some phone calls, some big interviews that come in. And uh, I think that, that coaching staff is just so cohesive right now, retaining Clayton White and a lot of the guys that were big playmakers last year on defense, like we talked about, Kyle Bailey, D'Angelo Malone, uh, Devin Key in the secondary, retaining those guys and getting them back for 2020 if they play football then, that's going to be one of the biggest reasons Western's likely a favorite in Conference USA because of that defense and the experience they've got. Before I toss it over to uh, Eric Henry for more uh, for more questions about uh, what we're going to see on the field, uh, I got to ask someone who uh, is as close of a Western Kentucky football observer as me, if not more so. Uh, why is Big Red the greatest, just in general? Well, what do you think when you look at that mascot? <laughs> I think Big Red is love. Big Red is life. I mean, it, 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 he means different things to different people. And I've, I've waxed poetic about this at bars that whoever <laughs> listen for years now. But I, I just I need an, another perspective to know I'm, I'm not just under some, some spell from this amorphous blob here. Hey, right. Um, well, Big Red is a spirit. He, he, the, the idea of Big Red is that he embodies the Western spirit, and that's the PR answer to that. Um, that you're going to hear from everybody. I'm, I'm a Western graduate, but uh, I'm, I'm object, objective in my coverage of that. But when Big Red walks in a room, you just, you just think differently. Um, you, you're worried. You're happy. Um, you just have a lot of mixed emotions. It's like my head might be in him in like five seconds. He also might just come over and shake his belly at me. He also may just want a high five or a hug. I say he, it. We never know what Big Red is. Is he just a spirit? He's just a Big Red blob? He's just happiness? He's He's anxiousness. He's a lot of the emotions. Uh, that's kind of why he got into this whole big mascot deal with Sirius XM last month. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, that was last month. Gosh, time flies. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Big Red is just a Big Red blob. Big Red is whatever you want Big Red to be, and uh, he is beloved uh, by many, by many. He's the best. He really is, so though, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, no, go, go ahead, Elliot. Go ahead. I want to make sure we get this all out of our systems before I continue. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all I got. Now that we've gotten the, the big red love affair, and time's kind of flown by, Elliot. It's kind of hard to believe that this is my uh, – actually, this upcoming season, my third season, doing this podcast with Joe. And uh, over the past two and a half years, I have heard him wax poetically about big red in ways that I fail to understand. <laughs> have you met big red did big red come down to fiu when we, when we were down there in september a, a big red so uh, i had I, I haven't even told joe this i had an interaction with big red big red did make the trip to south florida and as i was walking right. up the western kentucky sideline to go uh check them out during warm-up which as <laughs> as elliot knows it was an ordeal just for us to get onto the sideline but i digress um <laughs> Um, uh, yes, this big red blob just appeared out of nowhere in a way that was like puzzling because, you know, I've seen big red on TV, but when you see it in person, it's just, um, as someone who is not the biggest fan of mascots to begin with, it, it is equal parts frightening and surprising and startling all in once. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I did encounter uh, big red. See, and, and, and that's it. You just had to experience the big red. 
um, and decide for yourself. He's whatever you want it to be, and apparently he's got to warm up to you. It's <laughs> yeah, got to warm up to you. Keep, I keep, I keep, can, can't use his pronouns because yeah, it can yeah, be whatever. Correct. That's 100% <laughs> Um, but uh, really quick, I, I want to uh, jump in here as far as uh, you know my, the transition from Mike San, Mike Sanford to Tyson Helton. Excuse me. And one of the things, Elliot, that I know I got to be honest with you, last year at Conference USA Media Days, there was a level of calm when I had a chance, or when we, it was a, you know, a pool of us had a chance to talk to uh, Tyson Helton. That, quite frankly, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I didn't believe him because I mean he had all the reason in the world to be confident coming from, you know, a, a coaching family, but there was a level of calm in that, you know, there wasn't any worry about it being his first head coaching job. And he felt just, you know, not that, Hey, I need to go in and make sweeping changes, but we'll go in, you know, tinker with a couple of things here or there, and we'll be a bowl team. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't believe him, but lo and behold, that was the case. So I'm just going to ask you here, you know, what's been in your mind, just the biggest change is specifically from, Mike Sanford's tenure to Tyson Helton that just made this difference with essentially the same group of guys, uh, you know, except for, you know, maybe a tie story, that's it. And the transition of Gage Walker from DB to running back. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on a lot of the elements there. You know, he's tenured. uh, He knows what he's doing. He comes from a coaching family and just had to work his way up into a head coaching role and get that opportunity. You mentioned just a calmness. He's quiet and confident, but you don't get that on the practice field or during the game. I mean, you're getting an intense head coach, but one that is going to, you know, be cool, calm, and collected when when adversity hits on the field. But a guy that just knows how to respond to things and, and is not going to just make, you know, a some coaches roll the dice, but his, his, rolling, his method of rolling dice uh, would have a more educated approach to it. Um, you know, Tyson coming in and, and – you mentioned that just educated approach. He's a guy that how many coaches would come in and just want a clean house and put their entire staff in there as they want and start all over. But that's not what he did. We just mentioned he, he retained the entire defensive staff except for one position coach in his first year. So he's able to come in and evaluate what's good, what's bad, what's the, what do they currently have. That's what he looked at Western last year. It's like how can we maximize the player's that we have and put them in the best position to make plays. You know, he came in talking about we're going to throw it up and down the field and it's going to look just like the 2014, 15, 16 Jeff Brom era, which, you know, broke a lot of FBS, broke a lot of Western offensive records. Um, he had that same mindset, but he was also realistic with it. It's like we're going to – we don't have those players. You had Taewon Taylor. You had Nicholas Norris, a Florida guy. You, you had those guys that were in that offense that could break away, that could make those plays and do that. He's like, we don't have that. So what's the best way that we can do it? Well, we have an experienced offensive line. Everybody on, on here has started at least a season or two. So we're going to use that as protection and just sort of dink and dunk down the field. And as the season goes on, as we get a little bit more confident in the system here, we're going to throw it deep to Lucky Jackson once or twice, and we're going to score on it. Or we're going to throw in some trick plays and flea flickers. Uh, they got a little reverse thing that they love to run with Jacor Pearson and Jacquez Sloan last year. Um, just coming in and evaluating the situation, knowing what he had and how to best maximize that is a lot of – and trusting Clayton White to lead that defense that was already pretty strong is what led to that success of a guy that you call calm last year, but it's a calm and quiet, confident guy that knows what he's doing. 
Again, we're talking to Elliot Pratt of the Bowling Green Daily News, covers Western Kentucky athletics. Uh, just let me get to the quarterback position here for a second. You know, with the departure of Ty Story, excuse me, the graduation of Ty Story, and now the uh, yes. departure of Stephen Duncan, who actually started that game at FIU, actually, I believe, was the start of the entire way, got the win there. Uh, it's, you know, yep. you have uh, David Shanley on the roster, and you also have a guy, Kabaris Thomas, who's from around these parts, was a uh, three-slash-kind-of-fringe four-star recruit out of a, a high school powerhouse down here in Lakeland High School. Just what are your thoughts on the quarterback mm-hmm. position? Obviously, it's kind of hard to tell without a spring. You know, we didn't have a chance to see practices and see who's running with the ones and the twos, but just kind of your broad overlook on the quarterback position. Yeah, it, it's so hard now because we didn't get that spring to watch that. That was obviously the biggest question mark going into it. So every practice, I was going to go out there and watch the quarterbacks. Uh, Tyson was open to and is still open to adding a grad transfer out there. There's been certain rumors out there about certain guys that not been able to confirm that Western's actually in talks with those kids. Uh, so we won't share their names. But it, you've got Stephen Duncan that was going to be the assumed starter. The only reason – uh, that he was that way was because he did start the first three games last year, went one and two, um, and, and that second loss was to Louisville, uh, you know, a team that they just, you know, uh, they had to play a perfect football game to win that one, and, and he played the entire second half hurt. Ty Story comes in, you know, the rest of the story. No pun intended. Pun's always intended, actually. Anyway, so Stephen Duncan is the assumed guy in the spring. You've you got Kavars Thomas and Davis Shanley. Davis – and Stephen Duncan played a lot in Mike Sanford's last year, but last, but in 2019, Davis rarely ever played. He got in towards the end of the Arkansas game, and Kavaris Thomas, if I remember right, was only in for maybe two plays, and they were just kind of gadget plays. Like he ran once, and I think he threw a pass to Ty Story at Southern Miss and some little trickery, whatever they wanted to do, thing they had a big lead they could. Uh, just haven't been able to see a lot of Kavaris. And I know he's a Florida guy and came out really heralded prospect, um, but just haven't had an opportunity to see it all. So, sure, he's probably got a good chance of it. Uh, didn't get a spring to, to evaluate it because last spring all we were looking at were Stephen Duncan and Ty Story. You know, David Shanley's got a chance. He's played some ball. Uh, and they've signed two freshman quarterbacks, Grady Robinson and Darius Ocean. So they, they like those kids too. Adding a, a grad transfer or a transfer of any kind adds five quarterbacks in the room. So, and it, I think it's a blank slate for everybody. Uh, obviously, if you bring in a transfer, you've brought him in with the uh, assumption that he can start one day. You're not developing a transfer. That's not how you work. How, that's not how that market works. Um, Kavaris is a guy that you know can sling it. Uh, that he, he's big and, and can run, but we've just not seen it in live game action. Eric, you've probably seen more Kavaris Thomas than I have being down in that area. <laughs> yeah, he uh, was a phenomenal prospect coming out of powerhouse Lakeland High School. You know, Lakeland put a, a bevy of players in the NFL, the Pounceys, Ray Lewis's of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Going to yeah, take a pivot yeah. here from, from one of the questions I, I had sent you earlier, which was, uh, what surprised you about Western Kentucky's turnaround, but you pretty well covered that with Joe. So I'm going to take a pivot here and just ask you about Gage Walker. He's another one from the Tampa area. My memory serves me correct. Yeah. He's from East Bay High School. Um, That's right. What kind of, right. Yeah, what level do you think he has, you know, or, or what's the next level for him as a running back? Does he have that talent and maybe the opportunity to be that upper echelon of Conference USA running back? We had Benny LeMay depart from the conference. Uh, we still have Spencer Brown is there at UAB, and obviously uh, Brendan Knox yeah. and Marshall with kind of you know the bell cow. But where can Gage Walker be as far as Conference USA running backs is concerned? When you say those guys, I, I think guys that that are powerful down low. 
you know, ones that can put their head down. You know, as soon as you were mentioning those names, I think it's like speedy guys, but ones that you want, really want to get out of their way. Gage is a defensive back body that became a running back last year. And like as mentioned earlier, kind of later half of the year developed that running back mentality. So now it's a guy, he, he's going to have to bend down and take some hits. Not that he ever avoided them, um, but he, he's kind of shifty. And that, you know, now is the off season, a second off season. He, he transferred to running back in the spring of 19. But now this entire off season can be, how can we best craft your body to play running back? See, last off season is about getting your mentality to play running back. But now he can, how can we create a running back out of you? Uh, he's got the mindset. I think with him, it's probably just adding a lot more weight. When you were mentioning those other guys, I'm just thinking they're heavier than Gage Walker. They're able to take a little bit more pounding than Gage. And Gage played all the snaps, uh, but they just did a lot with Ty Story. So it's not like they leaned on Gage Walker for 25 rushes a game. Um, but he's got probably going to add a little bit more weight in the offseason and just one that in between the tackles will really, really pound it out because, again, this is still a very experienced offensive line he's running behind. Next question I've got for you, you know, obviously there was a game there. I believe it was in November, if my memory serves me correct. I remember racing up from Ricardo Silva Stadium and actually catching the second half of the Western Kentucky FAU game at a local FAU bar up there in Boca to check it out. But uh, that was a game that, excuse me, that uh, Western Kentucky had a tough loss. I know Ty Story had a couple picks in that game, and obviously that uh, FAU defense was led Conference USA in interceptions, if my memory serves me correct. But you know, all things considered, mm-hmm. what's the next step for this team to uh, kind of unseat FAU? You know, they've won Conference USA two out of the three last, two out of the three past years. Excuse me. What's the next step for this team to uh, unseat FAU and possibly win the CUSA East? Well, he got to give FAU a lot of credit in that you know they had Lane Kiffin running that show. So you, know, you get just a guy that was able to come in and crew unlike anybody been able to come in and build down there. I think you've obviously got the next best guy you probably could have asked for, Willie Tackert. Obviously, you know, Western Kentucky guy. Looking forward to that game a lot is the Willie Bowl uh, right there. Uh, you know, I think Western's close. I, I really think that they're, you know, as good as they were last year, they were uh, – they're two losses in the East to Marshall and FAU. Marshall, kid that's now with the Patriots, his name escapes me and probably couldn't pronounce it anyway. Uh, hit a 52-yard field goal walk-off win, so Western's close to winning that. And then FAU, just the second half, I think Western was up by 14 or so, and uh, Ty had a just a, a, an interesting read down the field with the picks yeah. that, that just led to just the second half collapse almost. Just props to FAU in a good game, Chris Robinson playing that. Um, yeah, it's it, it just a matter of what can Willie do, Willie Tiger do to sustain what's down there at FAU. But I think Western's right there on the rise. All the factors that we had talked about that they've got coming back, uh, especially on the defense, I think that this this could be a year that Western certainly contends with FAU as that favorite in the East. And last question, if I go and pass it back to Joe to close up the show. Uh, as you have done, you know, your fair travels across Conference USA, like I have, I'm sure you've been in your fair share of press boxes. So I've got a two-part question here for you. One, what is your favorite press box meal that you've enjoyed? And the second part of that question is, what is your favorite Conference USA city outside of Bowling Green? Man, uh, yeah, I got to visit a lot last year. I'm trying to think. I love Miami. Um, I don't love FIU's campus, but I love Miami, Florida. I don't. Does that that doesn't count? Does it? 
Does that count? That, uh, let's just, let's that, just go ahead, Elliot. No, I mean, I'm asking you, should that count? Should FIU, should Miami count as Coral Gables in the FIU area? Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm just going to give you make the rule. I'm, I'm going to give you fair warning that uh, conflating FIU with Coral Gables is going to upset the uh, Panther faithful very much so. Uh, we, we will, we will, I'm just, uh, telling, we will you, I'm just telling you what the map said. I'm just telling you what the map <laughs> said. <laughs> uh, favorite FIU city. It's, it's hard to beat Boca Raton. My gosh, that campus and just, um, and just Boca. Uh, I love that place a lot. Uh, Boca's great. Uh, not been there to cover a football game yet. Uh, but was there for basketball this year, uh, just as far as the, con- the city of Conference USA. I love that. Norfolk, Virginia is really cool. Uh, I've not been to Charlotte, but Old Dominion is kind of unique. Um, and I love that area of the country, too. Um, gosh, you can't beat El Paso. It's just so interesting. Anyway, I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Boca Raton as my winner uh, for, for favorite city. Uh, are you saying my favorite meal now? Yes. Uh, does the meal have to be in Conference USA? No, no, go for it. It can be anywhere. No, just, just anywhere I've been. University of Alabama, you can't beat it. Um, Western played there a couple years ago, and it was crazy. This was a 2 o'clock game, and we had, like, I, I swear to you, they served two meals before kickoff. Um, they had breakfast, and then, like, at 1 o'clock or so, they brought out, like, just this southern spread, man. I mean – you're talking about this was 2016, so they had just won one of their many national championships lately. So they probably got it in the budget to to make a mean meal down there. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to go with. I'll never forget the first time I had a racing canes was at Louisiana Monroe. Um, that place is a dump, but the pregame meal in the press box was absolute fire with chicken uh fries, and then that sweet tea and beautiful, beautiful cane sauce. All right. So before I go past that to Joe, a couple quick observations here. You are like the 10th person to mention Raising Cane's. I did not get any at Tulane. I don't know what happened, but last year they just ran out of food. So now I am extremely jealous. Um, I uh, I went to grad school in Chicago, so I had the benefit of covering uh, quite a few Northwestern games. And the the, okay. uh, the spread there, it's funny that you mentioned Alabama, the spread there up in Chicago, Northwestern was always amazing because you just didn't get your classic Chicago, you know, classics like, you know, your deep dish, Italian beef, all those things. So th- those, that was just, uh, you know, really good eats there. And uh, you, since you said you haven't been to Charlotte, um, I'm telling you right now, the area around Jerry Richardson Stadium, huge fan of it. You know, just the entire, the, the layout of the stadium, Elliot, it's kind of unique in that, like, mm-hmm. The stadium, the stadium's on a hill, so you enter from the top and you walk down if you're, if you're a fan. So, like, if you're coming from our level, you would just enter and then walk directly to the press box. And it's a, it's a really unique environment. So if you do get to Charlotte, uh, you'll think you'll definitely enjoy that one as far as your, uh, your CUSA travels go. Yeah, Western is there next year. So, um, actually, uh, there are only uh, road games, I think, that are flight if we're able to travel to those in the fall, is at Charlotte and at FAU. So Charlotte is a city that I've always wanted to visit anyway. Uh, I'm a big NASCAR fan, so I've always wanted to get get down there to the racing capital of, uh, of America there and see that and uh, see that campus. And Yeah, yeah, definitely look forward to Charlotte. I, I, I've always heard good things. Our last beat writer, Brad Stevens, said good things. And, and what you say, uh, I'm sure Charlotte's fun. 
It'll be a blast if we can uh, end up traveling and, and going to games at all next season. So hopefully that uh, that comes Seriously. through. Right, man. Uh, I uh, it, it's I'm really keeping my fingers crossed for that. But I mean, if we're getting German soccer and Korean baseball back, you know, there's there's hope. It's just uh, have you watched any there. of that? I haven't baseball? watched. I haven't watched a game since like this whole thing started. Since they brought it back, however, I make it an appointment to watch the Korean baseball like all-star weekend every year because it's the silliest <laughs> thing I've ever seen, but it's so fun. They have like, nice. it's a, it's a home run derby, but it's bunting. It's the goofiest thing I've ever what? seen. And yes. Yeah. They have like, they have like little targets on the field and then guys will like have like a pitcher thrown to them, like the home run derby, but they bunt it and try to get it on these targets and when they get it like right in the middle of the target, the crowd goes nuts. It's it, you, YouTube it. I'm telling you, it's so it's like top golf. It's like top golf, but like with fun. Like you have places that you need to get. Get to. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, it's, yeah, it's but it it's what makes it what puts it over the top is like how into it the crowd gets at, for for bunting. That's awesome. <laughs> That's um, awesome. I've not I've not personally watched any of it yet, but my favorite thing is to just watch other people's reaction on Twitter and read about what people are seeing. So it's like I don't have to watch it. I'm not, I'm just not there. I'm just not there where I'm ready to watch spend my time, invest my time watching Korean baseball. But if you want to write about it and put an interesting spin on it and make me interested, then I'm all for it. Hundred percent. There's uh there's gonna be some creative people helping us get through this uh lack of you know <laughs> traditional American sports. So definitely thankful yeah. for that. Uh hopefully people consider us one of those with uh with these with these shows that we're trying to do over the course of the next couple of months or so. Uh if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and do that on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, check us out there. And then uh follow at underdog dynasty on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and come back to the site every single day uh for more G5 football goodness. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. And uh, Elliot, where can uh, our listeners find you on social media and where can they follow your work? Yeah, uh, I've worked for the Bowling Green Daily News. So we're bgdailynews.com. And then I am on Twitter at eprattbgdn. Perfect. Well, everybody, stay safe. Uh, continue to, you know, absorb all the CUSA football content you can. And once we actually get it back, we'll uh, we'll be ready to go. Happy football watching. Talk to you soon. Yeah.